rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most Hamas Podcast. I'm your host, Dammit Damien. All right, buddies, on this week's episode, I'm going to bring you yet another very special episode of the Most Hamas Podcast because this week we sit down with Mr. Conrad Wert, W-E-R-T, of uh, Possessed by Paul James. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Possessed by Paul James. That's right. Uh, his name isn't actually Paul James. It's Conrad Wirt. But we get into that here in a few minutes in the podcast, in the interview itself. So uh, enough about that. Uh, I was very fortunate. Um, back in 2011, I was tour managing for a little band called Drag the River. Uh, my dear buddy Austin Lucas was on that tour. I uh, spent two wonderful weeks with those fine, fine gentlemen and Austin's sister Chloe. Um, we played the uh, Hillgrass Bluebilly Fest party thing at uh, South by Southwest in Austin that year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and uh, I, I, I'm not exactly... Yeah, okay, so it's been a couple of years. I drank a lot of beer. I drank a lot of beer that night. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure Conrad was the headliner of that night's festivities. I remember um, Willie T. Taylor played that night, Drag, Austin, of course. Uh, some of the other bands escaped me because... Hey, South by Southwest, it's fucking St. Patrick's Day weekend, spring break, woo! But I remember, because I'd already had a show for uh, Conrad booked at the Triple Nickel, the venue I used to run uh, a few months later, so I remember specifically watching him and just being blown away. We talk about that show here in a little bit in the podcast itself, but um, it, it was just a fantastic, great show. And then, yeah, like I was just saying, um, April 23rd of 2011, we had Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music, playing his solo set with his buddies, um, John Gaunt and Joe Ginsberg. And then Possessed by Paul James was a support band for that that whole little run they did. Um, and at the time, I was the main booking guy, um, event coordinator, PR manager, whatever. And even still to this day, that's been my one of my finest hours promoting music was that show. Um, that show, I felt like I hit my glass ceiling. I quit the Triple Nickel Tavern. I went to work for the Black Sheep here in town. I got ridiculously bored being an overpaid bartender, not really doing having any influence, power, anything to do other than just bartend, open Coors Lights all night. Coors Light. And then so that inspired me to start this podcast. And who was on the first episode of that podcast? Chuck Reagan. So it all kind of goes right, right back to Chuck Reagan, possessed by Paul James, that night at the Triple Nickel. Fantastic, wonderful night. Uh, so it kind of comes full circle by having him on this show as well as uh, having Chuck Reagan be the first one on the podcast to begin with. I'm rambling here. Uh, but still, it was a fantastic night. Uh, one of the best interviews I've ever done. Um, Conrad, he's just this big, beautiful, wonderful personality of a man. And uh, I know that sounds a little sounds a little suspect, but uh, it is. It's because he's just one of those really charismatic men um, and I, we only, the interview is only about 35, 40 minutes long. I could have talked to this guy for two or three hours. And as a matter of fact, after his set, after he was done playing, we sat down at the bar, did a couple shots, drank a few beers, and we kept talking and we talked uh, a little bit more off, off the mic about life, the universe and everything. And, uh, I could have talked to this guy all night long and I, I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I talked his ear off until they kicked us out of the bar. Um, but he's just one of those personalities that, you know, I could listen to this guy read the phone book. Um, now, we did this 
on the street of the Triple Nickel Tavern, uh, right in front of the El Taco Ray Taco Joint. Uh, they have some benches set up outside, and we just sat on the benches and did this interview. Uh, so there is going to be some noise uh, pollution in this. There's You're going to hear some trucks driving by, uh, motorcycles. You're going to hear people walking by and going, hey, guys, what's going on? And there's going to be a couple fade-ins and fade-outs where people stop by the table and chit-chat with us. Um, so, I mean, there's there's going to be a little bit of editing I have to do this week. Normally, I just take the completed interview, throw it up, no editing, cuts, paste, boom, done. Uh, so, I got a little bit of work to do this week, buddy. So, when you hear it fade in and fade out, it's just because we had a couple little little buddies come stop by. Uh, so, we're going to we're gonna go ahead and get this little bad boy started here. Uh, now, there's a Paul, Possessed by Paul James. He's got a new album coming out in August on Hill Billy, no, Hillgrass Blue Billy. For whatever reason, my brain can't wrap its little little morsels around that. Uh, I tried to get, one of the reasons this podcast is going up a day and a half late is because I was trying to um, get a track off his new record, the debut here on this episode, but uh, it's not quite ready. His new album's still in the mixing stages, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Please visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. I will have uh, links to Hillgrass Blue Billy Records, possessed by Paul James dot, uh, website itself. Uh, keep an eye out, find the record, pick it up. I guarantee it's going to be great. His last record, Feed Your Family, is one of my favorites. And uh, we're going to go ahead and open this episode up with a song off that album. Uh, this is called Take Off Your Mask. One of my favorite songs on the record, but you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find a bad song on it. Um, and then stay tuned at the end of the episode after after we come back I ramble for a little bit more I'm going to have uh, a couple live tracks from that show at the Triple Nickel Tavern here in uh, wonderful Colorado Springs so uh, we're going to have the song Should Have Known Better and I believe it's Color of My Bloody Nose uh, live from the Triple Nickel those are going to be those going to be uh, after the show buddies so uh, here let's go with uh, Take Off Your Mask it's from Feed Your Family uh, possessed by Paul James from 2010 and away we go buddies Take off your mask And baby, take off all your clothing me where no one needs to know well your husband is leaving I'm standing down down below the window pane I feel so foolish why did he come back home and yes so oh, I know I'm wrong falls down, falls all around me, there's 
very best that I've ever had before. He walks in screaming, oh, you pull away underneath the pillow stain. I feel so cheated, why did he come back home, back home, back home? Outside the triple nickel with uh, Conrad West. Conrad Word. Word? Yeah, yeah. For some reason, they wrote West. Where did yeah, they get West from? I don't know. Fort Collins put it like that too. But West is a cool last name. But mine's Word. I don't Where? even like it that much. I don't even know where I got that so from. It's like dirt. Yeah, it's W E R T. It's weird because it's right on a keyboard in a row, like it, the Q wordy keyboard. Maybe somebody put it in. Some, well, I mean, like that's this is all me typing. No, no, all my questions. All good. Maybe somebody's QWERTY uh, internet keyboard. QWERTY, yeah. Corrected it, and yeah. so now I've got West. But it's what is it again? It's Wert, W-E-R-T. It's yeah, real see, German. It's real Bavarian. I, I, I wrote it down to make sure I knew it because in my head, you're Paul James. But right, that's, right, that's right. of course your, that's Grandpa and Dad. Your Grandpa yeah, and Dad. Grandpa and Dad. That's all good. Yeah, so, oh, shit. This is off to a great start. <laughs> no, Fuck. Don't um, worry. So yeah, so I like to talk a lot about people's like early ages and their childhood and their motorcycles driving by. Yeah, but yeah, uh, totally. you know, we're we're on the street, so it's okay. There'll be some noise. But um, so compared to like most people, including myself, I grew up in a very suburban lifestyle. Whatnot. You grew up in a little bit more unorthodox mm-hmm. uh, lifestyle compared to most of us Americans. You grew up in like a Mennonite mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Was it just the family or like in a reservation? Or no, it wasn't. Doesn't work. Well, yeah, it I, wasn't. I, reservation might be the wrong word. But. Like intentional community or community. Right. Yeah. Um, no, uh, it, it was it was solely our family, but we were a part of the Mennonite community, which was in Immokalee, Florida. 
which is in southwest Florida. Um, but it, 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 it was very separate from communities like Lancaster County, PA, or Harrisonburg, Virginia, or uh, Bethel Bluffton, Ohio, uh, Heston, Kansas, uh, Goshen, Indiana, these kind of um, figureheads of, of small communities throughout the states. It, it, was, it was strange at times simply because of our parents' dress. My mother wore her covering for a very long time. Um, there was a, 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 a very prominent um, uh, a Christian Mennonite presence within our home. I remember my, my friends always going like, damn, you've got a lot of pictures of, of Jesus in your, in your house and things like that. And now, granted, they weren't, they weren't sensationalized pictures of Jesus and Mary, and, but they were very humble and, and selfless pictures, you know. Uh, so it was unique. It was very much so a unique situation to grow up in. And I didn't, I didn't realize that until I, I uh, with purpose, left, left the, the church's standpoint. Not uh, in an angry way, just realizing, well, this isn't really my bag. You know? yeah. Yeah. What was that childhood like growing up in that kind of environment? That was, uh, it was a good way to sum it up. That was church three times a week. Uh, that was uh, everything surrounding um, the foundations of Christianity. Uh, everything surrounding pacifism, uh, not dancing, not listening to secular music until the fight just becomes too hard for mom and dad. You know, they've got to give in. Um, that uh, that is uh, trying to explain what a Mennonite is. You know, like because people look at it sexually. A Mennonite? What's a Mannonite? What the fuck yeah. is that? You know, that, that's you, know, you hear those references. But older when I because I, I stayed with the Mennonite Church until I was about twenty two. You know, and older it became much more of a clearer picture where it was about service and selflessness and simplicity. And those are three things I still hold on to as a. Uh, uh, an agnostic uh, father and husband, and as a school teacher, um, but uh, yeah, very much the doctrine of Christianity and the quirkiness of your mother wearing a covering on her head. Yeah, so I, I, I just uh, in one of the things I read, it was like near a Amish community, so right, I'm right, talking, right, because I have no idea. No, no yeah, I remember early reports got kind of sensationalized mm-hmm. because we get zine articles and we get mm-hmm. some publications in, in small level press, and they would right away go to Amish and and yeah. it's very distinct between Amish and Mennonite those two de- denominations are nothing similar I mean you obviously have but power and yeah. yeah oh yeah we got the electricity kicking we're driving the cars <laughs> um, so yeah there you go did, did you go to like a traditional like public schools and everything like yeah. that or? yeah yeah straight okay, up cool. traditional public schools yeah. it was weird uh, at times uh, simply because um, you know friends would be talking about Saturday Night Live skits and, and, and uh, you know you you're a part of the world, but you're not a part of the secular world. You're part of the world by trying to, to serve the world or proselytize to the world, you know. So definitely a unique situation. And, and, and reflecting now, an interesting way to grow up and a lot of benefit to some regard uh, in understanding what really matters. And I think that's that whole concept of selflessness and simplicity and, and humbleness, you know. Um, but I, you know, that's not what our bag is now. Right. Well, yeah, that's right, right, that's right. that's different completely. Yeah. Um, so, so growing up, it, was it a strict household? I can, you just said, yeah, it pretty much yeah, was. I think so. What, I think so. Well, I, yeah. And I imagine you grew up in the church. What was so? I imagine that this next question probably has something to do with that. That's what was good. your earliest memories of music? hearing music for the first time? Definitely church related. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's one of the beautiful highlights. I mean, uh, in no way do I want to paint an ugly picture or a negative picture of growing up in a Mennonite community. Um, 
because music and uh, and and good meals and good conversation and, and gathering together even for hay rides and things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, beautiful, beautiful memories. Uh, but music is traditionally four-part hymn singing. So, in most Mennonite communities, uh, you get um, uh, you get Mr. Martin and uh, Miss Miller and uh, Stolzfus and Vert and Eby, and you put them all together and you say, "You sing tenor, you sing bass, you sing alto, <laughs> you sing baritone, you sing soprano." And Joe Schmo, they're going to put them all together and they can do it. So, because music is a is a beautiful foundation of the of that church community. So, my mother played piano and she played guitar, and my dad sang. Um, and my sister and I just continued it on, learning violin, viola, double bass, and extended to mandolin, fiddle, uh, banjo, and guitar. Yeah. Wow, those, these are all the things you can play? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're a very talented individual. I, you know, I think if in any, uh, in, any, um, in any family, if that is the norm, mm-hmm. there you yeah. go. If, if, the, if the parents raise you speaking Pakistani and Swiss German and Spanish it's right. really unique but it's it's those unique dynamics of growing up in certain families and there you go that's the unique dynamic of our family music yeah, yeah. music and, and Mennonites does it come easy to pick up can you just pick up almost any instrument now? Uh, you know the, the brass instruments and things like that no you gotta really work on your mm-hmm. amb- embouchure um, I can't play any of them very you know extremely well uh, I can get by I can fake it um <laughs> Piano, I can't play worth shit, but I can I can get the chords and the roots to it. Um, I think any and any musician would say when you train your ear, you you can you can uh, fumble through any instrument. Right. You know your ear is trained. You know what's in tune and what's out of tune. I played violin from you go. fifth grade to twelfth grade. Okay. I, I'm dyslexic, so I can't read sheet music, okay. even though that yeah, yeah. was what it was based on. And I yeah. would just fake this. I was a third violin, which is basically yeah. We, I know what you're we filled in the violas, yeah, yeah, sure, so sure. I'd fake the first violin part at this part. I'd fake that part yeah, because yeah. I can't read the music. I hear you. I, but the teacher liked me, so he let me stay nice. for for sixth grade through twelfth grade. So nice. same teacher. Um, <laughs> so what was the first instrument you picked up? Uh, violin. 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 Fourth grade. Miss Rock was our elementary school teacher. Public school teachers uh, are badass. I'm a public school teacher. Uh, Miss Rock violin. Then Miss Stillwell um, and. Uh, Violin and double bass, and then I moved on to viola and uh, picked up guitar in the process. And you know, the banjo is a great instrument, great percussion instrument, and a little bit of mandolin. Yeah. yeah. When I started playing violin, they didn't offer a guitar class, and I'm like, oh, it's all the same clep or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to play violin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Violin's a great instrument, man, you, and you can do a lot of different styles on it. It's so mobile; you can bring it wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so. You're playing violin. You're playing all Dick. these instruments. When did you first start writing your own songs? Was that pretty immediate? Uh, no. I mean, you know, I had a buddy, Shane Solon, and uh, and I think Shane Solon's still a missionary now. But um, in Southwest Florida, he his dad worked for the forestry department. We'd go play um, like the county uh, county orchestra together on violin and stuff, and we would get guitar tabs and play extreme covers and <laughs> poison covers, you know, and shit like that. And, I remember writing songs that were much more church-related, mm-hmm. praise songs, things like that, because it's just you know. That's what you knew. That's what I knew. Yeah. Um, I do cover. I I I do the covers. Uh, I don't remember the first song that we wrote that was actually good, but I remember doing open mics, and um, like writing songs like a song like Sea Turtle about a sea turtle, you know, things like that. I yeah. mean, the caliber was pretty damn low, but it was just a, a creative expression. Um, I, I, I think um, 
I think reading different authors, and I don't read much, but reading like authors like Charles Bukowski um, were, were great influence, mm-hmm. you know, and, and reading more uh, hardline poetry that had more of a rougher edge and uh, getting into artists like Lou Reed um, and, um, uh, and Tom Waits and uh, Cone and uh, uh, more of that crusty depth of writing so, sold me on something. Nice. You know, yeah. Well, I'll touch into that here in a minute. Okay. Um, you just mentioned you guys played extreme covers. Yeah. <laughs> we bust one More on than Wes yeah. Wilson. Yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. I can't play that shit uh, now, though. That'd, no, be, yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Just that, that was in the middle the, of your set to Oh, that God. Out. That was the thing. In high school, I mean, I, I graduated high school in 94. So that was the shit from 90 to 94. Yeah, That's yeah. what we were doing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I graduated in 99, so I'm uh-huh. a little bit younger than me. Yeah, you, yeah. But, I'm 36. But I remember... Oh yeah, God, I loved that song. I still oh, yeah. love that song. Every rose has like its thorn. By poison, we'd throw that shit down. Yeah. You know, this is when Garth Brooks was kicking. So we'd even throw. <laughs> I got friends. I mean, so in, in, in retrospect, I, I don't. I'm not trying to disrespect any of those artists, no, but no. you know, not very good music. I, you know, but it's it's your introduction to music. You you build your craft from those early beginnings into what really right. speaks to you now, I guess. And, and it's cool because people tend to have those same. Or similar building blocks. That's why I always yeah. try to ask, where are those early building blocks? Yeah. You get those weird, like, I used to play extreme covers. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Take Me Down to the Paradise City. I mean, early, you know, Early Roses. And, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of all the, all the shit now. It's funny. Uh, so you have this very, like, your father was a preacher, right? My father was a pastor for a time being. Yeah. Um, and then when my sister and I came around, you know, it... it a small church and a small uh, uh, Florida conference, Mennonite uh, conference, isn't going to have a lot of income. Mm-hmm. So that, he became a, a school teacher, and he retired a school teacher. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, but he would still he still does. He's still very much involved. Him and, him and my mom are still very much involved in the church in Southwest Florida. Nice. Still a foundation for them. Um, and that that was you know that was the uh, the mode of instruction, mode of instruction yeah. all the way. Coming from that background, you very much, you definitely have that, like, I could I could probably listen to you read the phone book right now. You just have that presence about you that you just want to listen to you tell With stories. storytelling? Thing? Storytelling. You know, I think the storytelling is definitely something unique to my dad, Melvin Wirt. Melvin yeah. James Wirt is his name. And and uh, he came from a family of five, uh, mom and dad, so seven all together. And, you know, when they get together up in PA, and we don't get together much for big family gatherings anymore. But just, it's a big story. Mm-hmm. And he was a huge fan of Garrison Keillor, Prairie Home Companion awesome. on NPR. Yeah. And, and we, we lived in Immokalee, Florida for a period of time. Mom and Dad lived there a lot longer. And then we moved to a, smaller ta- uh, a small town about 30 minutes away, Lehigh Acres, Florida, um, where I grew up, really. And we would still be going to church sometimes three, day, three times a week, sometimes, depending on what was going on, four times a week. And it would always seem to happen on Saturday and Sundays, and that's when Garrison Keeler and Prayer Room Companion would be going on. So you get into that, you appreciate stories. You appreciate the, the tradition and the history of what a story is, culturally. Um, and ultimately, that's what the songs are supposed to be, right. you know. But with some, um, with meat and potatoes of, of the struggle of life, or the struggle of the human condition. And um, that's cool. Um, that's really nice of you, Damien. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you, yeah, it just it's coming. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> no, um, nice. so, do you, 
when you were a kid, were you telling stories or anything, or is that something that? No, I was. I was uh, not at all. I was pretty. Uh, you know, I think like most. I think like most artists and, cre- and, and creative folks, you know, whether they're dancers or painters or sculptors or writers or whatever they are, you know, childhood is always a little strange. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, number one. Growing up Mennonite in Southwest Florida is a little strange. Uh, your father being a pastor is a little strange for some, you know, PK kid. Um, and I was a real heavyset kid too, and uh, so I was pretty. I, I, w- I wouldn't believe that. Oh yeah. But oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've always been a heavyset. I know, kid. No, yeah. Well, and you, you got your you got your violin and your uh, your glasses, <laughs> and you're wearing coats to kind of hang in the shadows and whatnot. And um, no, I don't. I don't feel I was a storyteller anyway. I I just tried to. Uh, you, you know, childhood's fucked up. Yeah. You know, it's as a school teacher in elementary school, I realize how hard it is for kids, and so I know that's part of the reason why I wanted to become an elementary school teacher because nice. childhood is a hard time, and uh, you want to uh, reach out when you see kids having a hard time. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's skip ahead of that. Like, sure. well, so you left the fold. Like, you're not you you've said already you're agnostic. Yeah. You still hold a few of those um, things dear that you very did much learn. so, and that's what we try and instill in our boys. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's uh, agnostic, but you still hold some of those religious values. Yeah. Uh, how did you? Your father was a teacher too. Yeah. I'm trying to get all these ideas. No, it's good. Stuck together in a in a sentence here. Um, what what did bring you to teaching children? Like what brought you out of well, the? Well, I yeah. Well, I mean, I since um, I mean, and, and that, yeah, that's totally attributed to mom and dad, and uh, and just knowing that. You know, I, I've done some carpentry work. I've done some bouncing work, short order cook work, uh, d- different tangents of employment. But I always did levels of social service. So mm-hmm. I, I would teach in the nonprofit sector at boys and girls clubs and and different NGOs and things like that. Uh, I found work overseas as a school teacher, um, and then I just ultimately went ahead and got state certified. Um, I, I think it's a great profession. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a profession that says you're invested in. Um, and helping, and helping children, of course, um, and and I specifically work in the branch of special education, and I, I don't think I could do public education. Well, meaning general ed in public education, simply because there's all these parameters with uh, state testing mm-hmm. and and uh, what level are you at, and are you meeting the expectations of the grade, and that's not what I subscribe to. It, it's it's funny. I actually um, two of my best friends, two completely different mothers. Up two of my completely different uh-huh. best friends, both special education yeah, teachers, yeah. pretty much for the same reason. Well, I, I mean, I say born and bred. I, I was in special ed for a little bit simply because of speech services and whatnot, wow. just for you know a limited time. But yeah. um, there's a huge need. Number one, there's a huge need. This is my this is my soapbox. There's a huge <laughs> need for men in elementary education. A huge need, a dire need for men in, in elementary education. There's phenomenal, strong, and you know, uh, intellectual. A creative, magnificent uh, teachers in elementary, which are women, but rarely do you find men in elementary ed. And and there's that aren't a, gym coaches. Yeah, 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 and they're great gym coaches. Right. But um, you don't you don't find enough. And so um, I, I knew there was a need, and I knew I really loved it, and I was passionate about it, and I knew I was good at it, and um, it fits like a glove. And I'll probably be doing that for a very, 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 <laughs> very long time. And it's rewarding, and it works well with our family. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a win-win situation. Very proud of being an elementary school teacher. Um, and I like to encourage other men to, to get in that line of work. Don't let the little kids intimidate you. They, Especially in special ed, you've got kids that are looking for another dynamic of instruction. 
and they benefit from a patient a patient man. Yeah, and really some of do. these kids might be looking for that father figure. Yeah, they too. do. Yeah, they do. You know? Yeah, they do. Because sadly, as men, we make a lot of poor choices as fathers. So, <laughs> hey, hey, thanks for coming. So yes, men in special ed, or you're teaching school. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I not much more to say about that. Yeah. I, um, I think some people get into teaching for the wrong reasons, uh, and it shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard I've heard professionals that have been in the uh, the career for 20 years, and they say a child doesn't need to like me to learn from me. Yeah. And uh, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> a, a child needs to trust you, and generally, if a child trusts you. They don't need to be your best buddy, right? But they need to like the dynamic in which you're engaged, you know. So, and we incorporate music in the classroom, so nice. it's a it's a win win. <laughs> yeah. So, before you settled on teaching, yeah. before you had a family, yeah. you've traveled the world. Like, yeah, my, I, I Jenny that, and I love traveling. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that you like uh, worked at nonprofits in Africa or something. Yeah, like, I, 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 I had a, right. Yeah, I had a great uh, opportunity when I was uh, I dropped in and dropped out of college a good bit, and I went to a Mennonite college. Um, you get better financial aid and whatnot. Going to uh, like a, it was expensive. A lot, of, a lot of student loan debt. But there was a great opportunity to study in uh, Accra, Ghana, and I ended up uh, 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 there. Not terribly long. It was maybe four months, you know. Um, and we uh, we did some NGO work, uh, nonprofit work there with Leon University. Uh, it was really a cultural study. Um, and that was, uh, I was 19, I guess, and that was uh, when the Band-Aid of life got ripped off to really get a, a very clear perspective of, uh, of a global understanding, of, of understanding um, a different perspective uh, simply from the United States, uh, to understand what it really means to be in need, to understand what, uh, what, uh, what ridiculous wealth we have here in the United States, even as middle, lower income, you know, and I'm a middle to lower income kiddo, you know, I mean, that's as a family and we just stretch the dollar, but with what little we have, my goodness, on a global perspective, there's so much. And I think that nails home what it means to be so, you know, sim- simplistic, less is more. Mm-hmm. That's the whole concept. Less is more. So, yeah. And this whole time you're playing music, but it's not serious yet. Not at all. Not at all. No, not at all. Just, just. I mean, serious in terms of touring and, and playing right, shows. Right, right. Not at all. No, no. Were you playing shows at all? No, not at all. Right. Not at all. I, I did not start playing shows until uh, I met Jenny. Uh, and Jenny and I have been together for 13 years. We have two beautiful boys, Jonah and Kai, five right. and two. And, uh, and, and she uh, uh, ultimately was the one to say, you need to get off your ass and try to play some open mics. And this was in Albuquerque. And... Uh, and that's kind of what stemmed from it. She really said, you need to play. And um, I'm not one to really enjoy playing out so much. Uh, Even still? It's, it's probably uh, the least... Like, this interaction, Damien, is great. Interacting with strangers and talking about right. music is great. Having that, uh, that social connection is great. The dialogue is great. But that, that small amount of time to play um, almost feels like chaos. And I know I have to kind of wrap myself up into um, just another element of, of feeling to really express it. Because otherwise, I, it, it, it's not issues of terrifying or fear. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's very humana, 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 you know. Gotcha. Yeah. I, like, the, the, I don't subscribe necessarily to the entertainment aspect. Or meeting the expectation of the entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't feel like what that's what music is to me. Music feels like an opportunity to share, 
Um, but the strange situation that we find ourselves now, since playing since 2006, is that there are quote unquote fans, right. and that's very strange. Yeah. Um, I'd rather look at them as really lovely people that are kind enough to come out to a show and we all get to hang out. But there is that dynamic of artist and fan. And um, that's not something I've ever really been uh, comfortable with. So having to play under that context is like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> um, but uh, not complaining, just right. being honest with, with knowing, like, I, well, it's still weird, something I've got to It's a weird, humbling get comfortable thing. With. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. Well, it, it, not to talk too much about myself, no, it's, but no, like, it's good. I'll get the random person who I don't know will come up to me in Denver. In Denver, like random people will come up to me like, "Hey, listen to your show. It's fantastic." And I'm like, "What? No, yeah. it's just me, usually drunk, talking to somebody else. It's yeah. not." And they're like, "No, it's great. I love it." And I'm yeah. like, "No." Well, and that's weird. the thing. Like, that's one thing. It's we can talk about that because you know we drove up from uh, we had some car trouble early on in North Texas. Had to sadly. Keep, cancel our Albuquerque show uh, on Wednesday but things are coming along knock on wood um, and you, have, you got that long stretch from Amarillo mm-hmm. up to uh, Colorado Springs done it many times yeah the kids are chilling Jenny's chilling and I'm thinking and it's like you know this this I, I, there's an element where man if people take the time to really share their um, their appreciation by God you really want to meet that expectation right. of their appreciation um because that's just so, how lovely is that? <laughs> how mind-blowing is that still? So that's something that we really want to focus on. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead. There's a Go lot ahead. of stuff, but I, I know no it's getting close to you coming to play. Is so, it? Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't no, know no, no, time. I got time. I cool. Got time. Yeah. Um, so what brought you to Albuquerque? I mean, you traveled the world yeah. and you end up in Albuquerque. Was yeah. Jenny already there? Did you meet her in Albuquerque? She was, I, no, I, yeah, I, I did not know her prior to it, but she was there. Um, I was living in... Uh, I was living, I was living in uh, Central America at the time. Dropped out of school again. Found a, a teaching job in, in uh, Guatemala. Guatemala uh, was uh, really just diving into the culture down from Nicaragua up in between in the different countries there. And uh, I was ready to head back to the states. My f- good friend uh, Keith Stolzfus, another Mennonite pal, uh, lived in Albuquerque. He said, "Buddy, come on up. We got a place you can crash at, and you can get a little work and get your feet back up on you, and then." You know, work your way back to Virginia if you want to. And uh, and so, you know, came in and uh, got a hamburger at this place called Manny's. Uh, you can go to Manny's now. It's still there in Albuquerque. And uh, Jenny was the hostess and uh, knocked me down. And um, I asked her out on a date, and that was 13 years ago. First time you were in there, or did it take first a while? T- uh, first time I was in there, I sat at, uh, I sat in the, uh, the little uh, booth for about an hour and a half trying to figure out how can I try to not sound like a sleazo you know and I, I just said hey y'all you, you want to go out dancing or you want to go grab a drink sometime I just came back from Central America and I had a little story to throw out there so it kind of entertained right. her um, and then there you go there you go and then so dating Jenny yep. she's selling paintings right yeah she's and an artist busking. she's beautiful yeah. I'm, I'm busking from time to time working as a, a defroster at Einstein's bagels because you're not really a baker sadly you defrost the frozen bagels in Einstein's bagels uh, working as a short prep cook, um, went to Tucson, Arizona to buy a VW van, uh, picked up a 76 beautiful pop top, uh, dual car VW van, uh, wanted to go see my buddies in California, told Jenny, Hey, I'm going to California. She said, Oh, I'm coming along. I'm like, well, okay. If you want to, I guess. And, uh, went on the van ride, uh, 
decided that we like spending time together and um, kept on driving and headed back to Virginia. You know, and that's just, uh, you know, and then the story just keeps on going. You yeah. know, we, I mean, we, we, we've, li- yeah, we've lived in a lot of different places, and now Central Texas is our home because family's down that way, too. Which, uh, Austin or? A little town Island? called, it's in Kendall County, a little town called Bernie. Okay. Spelled B-O-E-R-N-E. <laughs> it's just north of San Antonio and about two hours south of Austin in the hill country. Well, it's a good spot. It's a good spot. Play music. It's a good spot. Our family's just about half an hour away. Jenny's side It's just half an hour away. Um, and, um. You know, a good market in Texas, uh, good flyouts in San Antonio mm-hmm. and Austin. Uh, town small, about 11,000, 12,000 people. Yeah. Nice. Good little town. So when does it become possessed by Paul James from this point? 2005, we had, uh, I, I played with different bands playing fiddle, um, enjoyed it, did a little singing uh, in band atmospheres. But the band dynamic, uh, the growing pains of the band da- dynamic is the growing pains of the band dynamic. And... Um, didn't fly nearly as well as I was hoping. Uh, just enjoying it, you know. Then 2005, a Canadian buddy of mine uh, I met had a studio. He said, hey, let's do an underground show. And we did an underground show, and he recorded it. And by God, the recording wasn't half bad. <laughs> a buddy of a buddy gave it to a great band called Chili Cold Blood that still plays in Austin. Great band. Doug, good, good old guy. Um, liked it. He gave it to a very small independent label in Gorgonzola, Italy, <laughs> just outside of Milan, Italy, called Shake Your Ass Records. This guy, Giuseppe, we call him Boss Pepe, liked it. He contacted me. He's like, hey, I want to press an LP. I'm like, what? Because I wasn't doing shit. Yeah. I was like, you want to do what? And and he's like, then I want you to come over here and do a tour. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's, you know, minor shit, nothing yeah. big, but just the opportunity of someone expressing interest that wants to throw... 1100 bucks to press 500 LPs in fucking Italy. Jesus, sure. Yeah. So I, I sprung for a flight and did a run over there, and I met Delaney. That's where I first met Delaney. He's <laughs> playing with us tonight. And that was uh, in 2006. And the show was first called Doc Paul James versus Gordo Conrad. And Jenny thought that was just too stupid and long. And then the nature of the show kind of came about where we just wrap ourselves into it and became possessed by Paul James. And so since 2006, we've been doing it now. Nice. Yep. And, and so at this point, how do you feel about this stuff? Are you like, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this? Or is it still like, I don't know why you people are coming out every night? It depends on the show. Sometimes yeah. the shows, and I recognize it, sometimes the shows are just phenomenal. Yeah. And it's because of the connection with the crowd. It's not because of the caliber of the music. It's because of the connection of the crowd. It's a 50-50 split. We always say that. It's a 50-50 split. The, any, any show is like that. The, uh, the engagement of the crowd really determines the quality of the show. Um, and I know there's moments that are good, and I know that there's moments that are horrible. Um, and when it's horrible, I'm amazed on how forgiving the audience is. Mm-hmm. And when it's good, I'm flattered on how much they enjoy it. <laughs> um, and now, I mean, music for us now more so than ever with children and, and really feeling grounded in what our career is as, a, as an educator, it's a, it's a wonderful hobby. It's something that allows us to play 45 shows a year. It allows me to go to Europe annually and make profit and see friends and tour from France to Germany to Switzerland and, you know, and so on. And, I mean, that's just cool. It's a hobby that pays for itself that brings a second income as a school teacher. And it allows our summer vacations to be family summer vacations with no overhead. We pay for it with the, the money we make from the shows. Um, and the biggest, most important factor is it... Uh, broadens our community Uh, and the goal is really 
as the boys get older and if they ever have interest in playing music um, or interest in traveling, it opens up the opportunity for them to travel. Because I know our, our fans and our friends will say, yeah, man, your kids can come over and hang, sure. Yeah. Uh, and um, that's just such a cool dynamic, man. That's, that's a priceless dynamic that I never envisioned that we would be lucky enough to um, take advantage of uh, at a, you know, as a 36-year-old right. elementary school teacher. So. Yeah. Um, so you bring your your kids are here with you. Yeah, right? Joan and Kai and Jenny and Lady are in the ladies are dog. Uh, uh, they're at the, the hotel right now in Colorado Springs. Yeah, and they go to every show just about. A good um, chunk of them on the on the summer runs typically. Yeah. When I when I'm playing Texas shows or I'm flying out so during the school year, mm-hmm. no, they typically don't yeah. come. Um, they're too small to really sustain you know contain themselves rather uh, in the in the at the venues. Yeah. But they, you know, we love the pools. We go swimming. They watch PBS, Sid the Science Kid, and have popcorn in bed. It's great. It's great. And we see fam. I got a sister in Denver. Oh, nice. Jenny's got a family in Salt Lake. You know, his brother in Salt Lake. And then you've got the hiking and whatnot you can go do. I'm the sure. hiking and whatnot. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your kids are getting a world class experience. They do, dude. They're too little to They're, understand it. So far, yeah. But. No, the goal is to continue this. Really, the biggest goal in doing this is to keep it going. Damn. To keep it going, and uh, so as they get older, like 9 and 12, or even younger, maybe like 8 and 10, I can take them overseas with us. Right. And on summers, we'll just stay. We have a great, uh, very small independent label, but wonderful people, uh, Nico, who runs uh, Norman Deep Blues Records out of Paris. We've got a great label uh, in Bern, Switzerland, Beatman, Reverend Beatman, that runs Voodoo Rhythm Records. Uh, Beppe is in, uh, he's no longer in Gorgonzola. I don't know where he lives now, but... He still runs Shake Your Ass Records. So we have all these wonderful contacts that still help us out with Billings. And then we have the great label, uh, once again, an independent small label out of Austin, Texas, called Hillgrass Blue right. Billy Records. Yeah. So I, I almost forgot. I actually saw you at a Hill, Hillgrass Blue Billy Records yeah. show. Okay. I always get the name yeah, yeah. used because I'm, I'm dyslexic as it is. Oh, no worries. So it, it's already backwards in my brain. But I saw you guys in, uh, well, I saw you in, I think it was 2011 at South by Southwest. Okay. I was touring with Drag the River. And oh, Austin great. Oh, we, yeah, yeah. We, Chad, we guys, over at Hole in yeah. the Wall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a hard show. I kept breaking shit as yeah, always. Yeah, but it was that's awesome, always, though. I just that's remember, how every show is in. We break it, shit all the time. And I remember a month later you were playing here, and I was like, oh, my God, we're nice. going to be in for a treat. Oh, good Plus on you. Chuck Reagan's. Oh, great. that was a fun show, too. Oh. That was a great show that, with Chuck that night. When I worked here, that, in hell, even since I've left, that's probably the best show me as a promoter has ever done. Oh, beautiful, Chuck, man. Chuck and you. Oh, oh that man. was great. Yeah, that it was, was awesome. we, we packed that place, man. I remember yeah, it was standing up on that stage and singing out. to the crowd because uh, everything started breaking. Yeah, that's how it always is. <laughs> uh, so uh, back to the family, though, real quick. Yeah. Um, what, are you still close to your, are your parents? Your parents are parents still alive. Parents are still living. Yeah, my dad, my you, granddad passed, but my, my parents are still alive, yeah. What do they think of this secular lifestyle? An- initially, no. It was a real concern. It was real hard. And I, and I understand that now as a parent especially. I get it. Um, and so now, you know, seven years have passed. Six to seven years have passed since that because we've still been doing this on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also our style has changed too. You know, I, I won't say the word contemporary, but they're able to listen more, more right. to it. We've got, a, uh, we've got a new album coming out here in late August, hopefully, with Hillgrass called There Will Be Nights When I'm Lonely. And this this is our fourth album. You know, look at it like that. I don't I don't play a lot because since 2006, this is our only real fourth album. We've been on compilations and things like that. But and and this is the this is the the broadest album we've ever done, where uh, 
my parents, for example, might find two or three songs that they actually appreciate. You know what I mean? So, and my parents are, are in their 70s. It's my mom's birthday tomorrow, actually. So, so, you know, with that said, I think they realized, I think their biggest concern was that I would be, I would be a cat that would leave the family behind and just go on the road and, and get drunk and messed up and, and do that type of lifestyle. And, uh, and now they see, well, it's a second job for, for us as a family and the kids come and, you know, not getting into too much trouble. And so now they're like, well, good for you, boy. Good job. <laughs> but do they listen to the stuff? No, not really. Not really. Not really. Yeah. And that's okay. Well, it's they're all in their still, 70s. It's still kind of, there is a derivativeness of that music you were raised on. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's all in there. Definitely. So. Definitely. Roots and folk. Um, is there a separation between Paul James and you? Is it the same person? Or is it like you can get up there and be a character? It doesn't feel like a character, but it definitely feels like a release. Um, and like right now, like if I'd say how the show's going to go, I don't know. Yeah. And I think when I get up to the show, when I, when I get up on that stage, it changes. And I just try to let... Really, the, the biggest distinction between the show and the performance and what the norm is for myself as a family man, as a, as a school teacher, and um, interactions with our friends completely not associated with music, is that we just let the music take over. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason... For whatever reason, the music takes over in the fashion that it does. Yeah. Hence the possessed. Possessed by right, Paul James. Yeah. Um, it's not meant to be satirical. It's not meant to be sensationalized. It's not meant to be a scene. It's just, I can't explain it any other way. And sometimes that quote-unquote possession of music is is deep, and sometimes it totally fucks up. Nice. Okay, yeah, so let's, uh, you know, we gotta, you got to go on here in a minute, so I let's go like ahead it. and wrap this up. Um, so you've said that this is just a hobby for you. Could yeah. you live without playing music? Like if somebody said tomorrow, music. I'll say it like outlawed. this. Jenny and I talk about this a lot. Um, I talk a lot. I talk with Keith about this a lot because Keith is—he's uh, such a dear friend. I've known him now for seven years. You know. Um, I talk to Delaney about this too. Delaney Davidson. I always like to tell people about Delaney from Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, phenomenal artist. He's playing with us tonight. <laughs> um, Performing, I could see that stopping at some point. But playing music, oh, it'll never stop. I mean, if you come into our little house, it, we call it the Little Orange House because it's a little <laughs> orange house just under a 1,000 square feet. Nice yard where we do have our chickens and we have our vegetable garden and a little blow-up pool for the kids and stuff, you know. Um, you know, you go into that first room and you'll see uh, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You'll see eight instruments hanging on the wall. Nice. Anything from a ukulele to two banjos to a viola to a semi-hollow. Then you go into the bedroom, you'll see another guitar. I mean, music is a foundation within our home to the point where our five and two-year-old, they can make up their own songs and they can carry a melody. And to me, um, performance is great. Performance is is an awesome opportunity to create community in a great light. Um, But if that stops, music surely will not stop. It'll 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 just fit perfectly within our family and within our backyard barbecues, you know. And that's exactly what we want. Great. Yeah. So we've got an album maybe coming out in October or August. 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 <clears throat> it's definitely coming out. It's officially going to come out probably in late August. Okay. Cool. And we're really excited for people to check it out. What's the name of it? I'll wait. Waiting for a fire truck. There will be nights when I'm lonely. Yeah, yeah, 13 tracks, um, and uh, some of the most varied music that we've ever tried to create. So 
Uh, it's fun for us to try, and us collectively, because there's a lot of different musicians and friends that we have playing on it. Um, and uh, fun to see what the reaction will be. So, cool. How yeah. much longer are you out for? Or is this just a quick uh, little run? No, this is actually a long run for us as a family. We've got Colorado Springs tonight, so we're going to be on the road till the 4th of August. Great. And Delaney will stay with us till the 21st of July. And uh, Jenny and the family and I will continue all the way down to South uh, Cal. Nice. Someone's pulling on by. Yeah, they're about to ask us a question. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, buddies. Well, thank you again to Conrad for sitting down, hanging out, and talking to us. Um, sorry it was a little rushed there. At the very end, he was like, oh, man, look at the time. i got to go play a show. Uh, so we had to cut it a little short there at the end. But, hey, good times were had by all. It was a fantastic little show. Um, he's one of the he's one of the best dudes out there doing it. And for him, this is only a part time gig. He does it for fun, for the love, for the love of the game, buddies. Um, again, stay tuned after my ramblings. Uh, we got a couple live tracks from his set that night. Uh, and, and you know what? Go ahead and go to mostofharmlesspodcast dot com. Uh, in the possessed by Paul James post on there, I'm gonna go ahead and throw up the entire mp3 for the entire live set so if you have any interest in that at all uh there's a lot of sound checking and tuning and whatnot uh but it's about a 35 minutes worth of live possessed by paul james it's pretty good a little pretty good little time we had there uh again i know i just said it but thanks again conrad uh fantastic dude i could listen to you read a phone book or you know uh you know, stereo instructions or something, man. Uh, fantastic time hanging out with you. Uh, be on the lookout. His new record is coming out in August on Hillgrass Blue Belly, Blue Billy Records. Man, I'm just not ever going to get that right. Um, man, I, I guess that's all I gotta 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 say this week. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, please visit mostofharmlesspodcast.com. Give us a little like on Facebook. Uh, head over to iTunes. Subscribe. Uh, click the. Uh, Click the little ratings button. Uh, I'd love to see the ratings go up. I, I check the ratings religiously. I check the st- stats religiously. I'm out of my mind. OCD crazy. Uh, unfortunately, right now, I am unemployed. I am uh, working on trying to find a new job and move to Denver. I do have some Most Unharmless t-shirts available in the store. Uh, I'm selling a ton of stuff on eBay. If you have any interest whatsoever in buying a Most Unharmless t-shirt, please let it be known that it goes to paying my rent and not buying booze and... Uh, and whatnot um yeah so please visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com for more information about possessed by paul james please visit the store please visit it on facebook itunes yada 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 uh if you like what you hear hey shoot me a little email leave me a little comment um i i love hearing from people and i've been very fortunate to hear from people all over the world unfortunately i'm terrible at emailing people back but please let it know that i check everything religiously and i do get it all and i do love it all uh so thanks again guys uh again we're gonna go ahead and end this with a couple live tracks from mr uh conrad work possessed by paul james uh the first track we're gonna hear here in a second is should have known better and the second one's gonna be color of my bloody nose i believe that's the name of it um and yeah these were both from the triple nickel show about a week and a half ago here in Colorado Springs. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking it out. Until next week, we'll see you on the flip side. Uh, or should we do... Woo! Hey, help us out, because we like to play what you guys like to hear. Should have known better or colored my bloody nose. Oh, I love it.
How can I thank you listen to it? Because I'm all changed. No, I think we gotta go. I played that very long. We got one more, we can do it. Crying short. We'll do it really quick. We'll do it really fucking quick. Short stuff. You're nice. You gotta change it up. It's fun to fuck around with.
ways to love you. And I'll sit here, oh baby, just to hold you. And I feel your final breath as your lips they turn.